0: you are listening to the invitation church podcast to learn more about invitation church visit us online at invitation605.com you can also download our app on itunes and google play by searching for invitation 605
1: Awesome. Well, as we continue our worship gathering, I'm going to invite Ken Sproles uh, up, and he is uh, going to read uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Matthew 13, Matthew 16:13 to 23. This is me filling time. He's almost here. Here he is. If we could give a rowdy welcome to Ken, that'd be amazing. You can go over there. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, right there.
2: Dave gave me specific. Ways to walk and whatnot. And I think I just broke a rule by walking in front of the projector. So, uh, hey, it's good to see all of you, uh, all the people that I love here today, and and the others as well. Um, Matthew sixteen thirteen twenty three is what our reading is from. Uh, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do people say the Son of Man is?" And they replied, "Some say John the Baptist; others say Elijah." And still others, Jeremiah and one, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon of Son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. And from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests. And the teachers of the law, and that it must be killed, and on the third day he will be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Awesome, yeah, thanks so much. I can just leave it right there.
1: So, two moments that we all have in life. Moments of victory. When things go awesome, when things go well. And moments of defeat. You know, we can talk about the experience of being a human being as moments of victory and moments of defeat. Sometimes, I don't know if we feel like this, but it feels like life can be a little bit of a yo-yo. That there just are some moments when you feel really great about where you are in your life, in your journey, in your story. And then you step into other moments. You have different kinds of days, different kinds of seasons, different kinds of months where you just feel low, where you just feel worn out, like wrung out like a kitchen towel. And honestly, you might even just feel like you're sort of done with it all. And we're not alone in feeling that way. We just read a passage where we have these two moments in Peter's life. Moment number one, Jesus asked the question, Isn't it so good when somebody asks the question and you know the answer? I don't care if you're in third grade and you're doing state capitals or something else and you know the answer, that feels good. But then he has a different kind of moment. Like Peter misses what the whole thing is about and he wants to argue, he wants to fight, he wants to pull Jesus aside into the hallway and tell a few things to him about what his perspective is. I think we can all identify with that. Moments when... Life just isn't going so good. Brock's got a little video he's going to show of just like what those moments can just sort of be like. This guy, I don't know his name. But he's just doing his job. He's just like, he's just going to work. And then see, gosh. Oh, you guys. And I don't know about you, but I just can so identify with that. I can so identify. I'm just showing up the way that I know how to show up. And sometimes being a human being is hard. Sometimes showing up is hard. Sometimes your face is just going to hit the wall. And then other kinds of moments. Brock's got another video. Like some days we just can't miss. And we all know thousands, thousands of shots it took to get all of that highlight reel. Thank you. A little shout out to Dude Perfect. If you're ever bored on YouTube and want to see some amazing trick shots, which some of you will think that is a waste of a life to do that. But it is also very impressive. Like this is the experience of our life, isn't it? Like the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, the mountains and the valleys. And we just know that it's true that most of our life is not going to be spent on top of any kind of mountain. And it's not going to be spent in the valley either. It's going to be spent in between those places. And I would argue going back and forth between those places. If you would ask the people of God, if you would ask Israel, there's this rabbi that I really love, and one of the things that he talks about, the difference between Judaism and Christianity that a lot of Christians just expect to spend most of their life in the promised land. It was kind of like hope, kind of like expect, like that's what God's going to do for us. And Jews will expect to spend most of their life in the desert. And this is the experience of life. And we see this moment in the life of Peter. So what's happened is Jesus takes his disciples. He's time to have a conversation. So they go up way north in Israel. Like almost as north as you can go. Like the tip of North Dakota when you can like lean over and see Canada. Right? Right? All the way up Caesarea Philippi. And he has a conversation with them. And this is a turning point in the Gospel of Matthew. Because in the Gospel of Matthew what's happened is that Jesus has been being followed by crowds and he's performed miracles and he's spent a whole lot of time teaching. But now what's happening in the Gospel of Matthew is that Jesus is turning away from the crowd and toward his disciples. Because he has to prepare them for the catastrophe that they are going to experience in watching Jesus suffer and die. So Jesus takes his eyes off of the crowds and places them on the disciples. There's really only one, we're in chapter 16 in the book of Matthew. There's like one more big teaching discourse. That happens in the 23rd chapter of Matthew when Jesus calls the Pharisees a bunch of hypocrites. It's a doozy, the one that's left. But this is the turning point that we get to unpack a little bit today. So verse 13 Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples. They're walking, and he turns around, and he says, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Like, who do people say that I am? Like, what are the conversations that are happening about me? Like, there's all kinds of stories. People have all kinds of ideas. And Jesus isn't asking this because he's anxious about how people feel about him. Jesus is not fishing for a compliment, like, I don't know, like, what do you think people say about my hair? That's not what's happening. Jesus wants the disciples to get inside of their own heart, to get introspective and to reflect about what's all going on in here. I'm like, who do other people say that I am? What kind of other stories are you hearing about me? And it's just really good as followers of Jesus for us to be really good listeners to what's going on out there. Not to try to put our head in the sand, not to turn it all off, but to actually pay attention because there's a lot of conversation about Jesus that's happening out there. And if we're going to follow Jesus, like we should know what people are saying about him. Because when you know what people are saying about him, what happens is you're given opportunities to have a word of grace to speak in those moments. And they're like, hey, people are saying all kinds of stuff. Some people say you're John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is this prophet, right? He had just been beheaded, so that's sort of like off the table, so it's more rhetorical. Some people say Elijah. Elijah is this prophet who stood for God even in the middle of really dire, really difficult, really painful circumstances. Or Jeremiah. Jeremiah is this prophet that, he, that is sent by God to Israel and to the nations, but he doesn't really experience success like one single day in his life, one single moment. They actually dig a hole and they throw him in the hole. And they kind of lower food down to him. And So if you ask Jeremiah, hey, do you ever have a moment where you would wonder, you doubt, you question the activity, the presence of power, the authority, the call, the love of God? Jeremiah would be like, yeah, that's called Tuesday morning. I've actually experienced that a lot. It's actually what my whole life has been about. God called me to this thing. And then all I did was suffer. So some people say John the Baptist. Some people say Elijah. Some people Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But Jesus, in verse 15, what does he say? What about you, he asked? Who do you say that I am? And that is such a personal question, isn't it? Not who does your uncle say that I am. Not who does... Your brothers say that I am. But who do you say that I am? It's a really personal question. I could go around today and ask some personal questions like, hey, what kind of deodorant do you use? How much money is in your bank account? Did you floss last night? Most of you would be like, no, because I'm not going to the dentist tomorrow, so why would I floss? (laughs) Who do you say that I am? Like life with God is so personal. Why? Because God is not a grandfather. He doesn't have grandsons and granddaughters. What does He have? He has sons and daughters. So we belong to Jesus because we have had a moment where we've received the love and the grace and the power, the promises he's spoken over us, not what was spoken over somebody else. Not because we grew up in a house where we told the stories and we went to church these times during the year. No, we're brought near to the almighty God because we have received what has been spoken over us and not what has been spoken over someone else. So it's deeply personal. Like, who do you say that I am? But it's also corporate. It's also communal. That's what I love. Because it's not enough to say that life with God is personal. It's also Communal. The life that we have with God is this drive that we will take that we will not be able to complete alone. Ever had a trip where you had to drive so far you couldn't do it all on your own? You had to tap out at some point because you just got tired and the kids were screaming too loud and you needed a break. So, somewhere between Houston and Tampa, Somebody else took over. And can I just tell you that as you follow Jesus, I believe that will be true in your own life. Like there's going to come a moment in your life with God, a season in your life with God, and you're going to need the community around you because it won't be enough. You're going to get tuckered out. You're going to get tired. You're going to get weary. You're going to need somebody else to just like jump in the front seat so you can just like crash for a bit. Life with God is personal. It has to do with you. And it has to do with him. But it also is a story of us. And we're actually going to need each other. And it's not some ethereal thing. But we're we're actually going to step into moments when the hospital is involved. We're going to step into the moment when some kind of destruction is involved. Some kind of pain is involved. Some kind of conflict is involved. Some kind of hardship comes to our front door, and Jesus says, hey, who do you say that I am? Yes, we need to be able to answer that, but we also need a community who's willing to drive 100 miles for us so we can rest. And then verse 16, Peter Says to Jesus, I know the answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Like Christ is Savior, anointed one. It's the New Testament idea of this word Mashiach, Messiah, Savior. And then Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, because this was revealed to you not by anybody else but by my father in heaven so so amazing that our father in heaven would have things for us that he desires to reveal and are we asking him god what do you want to show me what do you want to teach me because it's so amazing that he wants to show us stuff he wants to teach us stuff he wants to peel back the layers of things And sometimes we miss out on those things because we're not asking, like, hey, like, what are they? So what an amazing prayer to wake up in the morning and just to be able to say, God, like, what do you want to show me today? What do you want to reveal to me today? What do you want to uncover in my life? To to invite that movement in your life, he says, blessed are you. Because this moment came to you not from anybody else but from my Father who's in heaven. There's this special revelation that happens. And then verse 18, this is sort of a funny thing to say, and I tell you that you are Peter. Tells him his name, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell you might have in your Bible, will not overcome it. And I love, I love this moment between Jesus and Peter, Why? Because God gives us a name knowing that we will grow into it. Because like this name Peter is this play on words, right? It means rock. And Jesus says, hey, you are rock and on this rock I'll build my church. You are Petras and on this Petra I will build my church. Those of us who are older in the house today, we remember a Christian rock band called Petra. He is the Lord and he reigns. Okay, no, we'll go into it. But this play on words in, in the moment. And God speaks promises over us, names over us, knowing that we're going to grow into them. Because of course, in the moment where we stand, it maybe isn't completely true of us. I don't know. Like if you look at Peter, he's not as maybe as much of a rock in the moment as he is a marshmallow. Like he struggles. And that's why I think so many of us can identify with him. Now, he's unstable and impulsive and insecure and he's stubborn. Like in Mark chapter 1, his mother-in-law is sick. And not like the (coughs) kind of sick, but like stay away kind of sick. Deathly ill. And Peter's got this brilliant idea. I know what we'll do. I'll just invite all the disciples over to her house. And so they all come over to Peter and mother. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that my mother in law, she's not here today, but I don't think that she would be stoked by me making that decision and that choice. But Peter doesn't ask, he just brings everybody over. And this is sort of how Peter lives his life. He's like ready, fire, aim, it's kind of like how he does things. And I love that God gives us a name knowing we will grow into it. Like in Matthew 5, what does he call his people? He says, hey, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Really? I don't know, like Jesus might need to like call 1-800-CONTACTS or like Pearl Vision Because he may not be seeing things rightly. He's got a whole bunch of disciples that have not fully lived into being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Like we are fighting decay and we're dispelling darkness. No, we're like really confused about who you are. But Jesus is speaking a name knowing that we are going to grow into it. So what's Peter? What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about like Peter as a person, like on this rock. What's he talking? He's talking about like an actual place. Like, hey, I'm going to build my church right here. Here's where we're putting the foundation. Here's the kitchen. Here's the fellowship hall. Here's the children's ministry area. Like, what's he talking about? I believe Jesus is talking about Peter's confession of faith. Like, that's what he's going to build the whole thing on. Not that he's building it on a specific person. He's building it on a confession that you are the Christ. The son of the living God. And there's no other name. There's no other power. There's no other way. But you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I think that Matthew wants us to know That in the beginning, the church was built on faith. It's not built on intellect. It's not built on gifting. It's built on faith. We have this example in the Old Testament Abraham, this guy who was really, really old, and God called him in his old age to come and to follow him. And he's going to have more descendants than he can count. And that God's going to make him into a great nation. He's going to bless him. He's going to use him. But he's not going to tell Abraham what the plan is. He's going to call Abraham to follow him. And a lot of times when we come around this question, like, okay, like, do I have faith? What is it centered around? It's like centered around the spiritual, religious things that we've done this month. Like, how have I proven my faith? How have I shown my faith? And I think a better question is not what are the spiritual things that I've done, but am I worshiping on the move? Like Abraham lives, he worships on the move. Not that he has all these roots put down in a big house and security and safety and comfort. But he's willing to follow God. He's willing to worship him on the move, not staying in one spot and i think doing so is really hard i think it's really hard to live that way and i'll tell you that my contention today is that in the american church we are educated far beyond our obedience like we know a lot of stories we know a lot of stuff most of us in here has have spent a lot of time listening to someone talk about the bible But can I tell you where the story of Peter grabs me most? It's like, oh, I got a lot of stuff to live into. And I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for anybody else today, but these two moments of you're the Christ, but then I have other kinds of moments I totally forget. It's true for Peter. It's true for me. It's true for us. It's interesting, this is like the only time that I could find in all of the New Testament when Jesus even says the word church. He doesn't really talk about it anywhere else. But he's talking about it here. And when he's first mentioning the church, he goes out of his way to tell us that he is building it on the faith of those who follow him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 16 says, Without faith it's what? It's impossible to please God. So of all the religious and spiritual things that I've done, like how many of them have evaporated into thin air because they were not connected to like a genuine faith inside of me? Like they were connected to what I was good at. They were connected to my own power, my own plan, my own call. And Jesus is going to build his church On the confession of faith that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. But then in verse 21, we have a different kind of moment, don't we? From time to time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he's going to go to Jerusalem. So they're going south. He's going to suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed, and on the third day would be raised to life. So this is what Jesus is talking with his disciples about. This is where this is going. And Peter takes Jesus aside. He's like, "I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to set Jesus straight. I'm going to tell him what's really going to go down. Like I know. I just told him he's the Son of the Living God." but I'm going to set them straight. I just wonder, anybody in the house ever had a moment like that with God? You can raise your heart hand. Don't have to raise your real hand, just in your heart. Taking God in the hallway and being like, hey, let me tell you how I really would like this to go. That's what Peter does. He's not the only one to have done that. Moses does it. Joshua does it, Israel does it, Jonah does it, the the Pharisees do it. Let me tell you how this is going to go. Jesus, let me tell you about 2022. Can we just agree on some things? Let's agree that this is not going to happen anymore. Let's agree that this is going to happen. Let's agree that this, like, okay, this is the moment that Jesus and Peter have together. And then verse twenty three, Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God but the things of men. You're a stumbling block. You are the proverbial Legos in the night that parents tried to avoid on their way from their bedroom to the bathroom. Anybody been in that moment? You have scars on the bottom of your feet to prove it, I bet. You're a stumbling block to me. And what's going on here? Like, why is Jesus name-calling one of his disciples? It's very uncomfortable. He named him Peter already. And now he's calling him Satan. I think this is a return to what happened in the garden. If you remember what happened in the garden is that God had said, hey, I've created all of this for you, but I don't want you to eat from this tree. If you eat from this tree, like, you will step into death. And the serpent comes to the first humans, right, and says what? You're not going to die. You can't trust him. He's holding out on you. Like he's living with one hand behind his back. And he's got the vegetables in this hand, but he's got the candy behind his back. He's holding out. And then in this moment, this should never happen to you. This is not the plan. This is not the way. God cannot be trusted. His promises cannot be trusted. His way cannot be trusted. His hand cannot be trusted. His posture cannot be trusted. And so why would Matthew put these moments back to back? I'm going to invite the worship team up as we close this morning. Why does Matthew put these moments back to back in the scriptures? I don't actually think at like 10 o'clock in the morning, they're up in the Caesarea Philippi, and Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. There's no other way. There's no other name. There's no other power. And then he like turns around at 1045, and he's like, may it never be so. Why does Matthew put them back to back? I think Matthew puts them back to back because I think that Matthew knows we are going to bounce back and forth between these two confessions in our life. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's no one else. There's no other name, no other power, no other Savior. And may this never be Lord. I want this to go differently, and it's got to go differently than this. I didn't sign up to step into that season. I didn't, didn't want to step into that moment. I didn't want to have to carry that. And can I tell you what I think is required as we bounce in between those two moments? I think faith is required to believe that there's still something God wants to do with us. When we step into moments, when we want to take God in the hallway and tell him how things should really go, I think it takes a lot of faith to know that that's not the defining moment for us. Like there's a lot of other things that happen after this moment in the life of Peter. And I think that's true. For us, God has given us a name, knowing that we will grow into it. And God's voice in our life, I believe, is equal parts blessing and correction. Dave, you don't have in mind the things of God you have in mind the things that you want to do. You want it to be your way. And can I tell you, in that way, I'm still a toddler. Because I want it my way. And in my time. And so church, can we come around the truth today that when Jesus establishes and builds the church. He doesn't do it on our gifts, but he does it on faith. That he's the Christ, the son of the living God. And when we step into moments when we forget that, we need the moment of confession to say, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And as a community of faith and as a individual person. We need to be worshiping on the move. Because I happen to think the more still we become, the more often we find ourselves wanting to take God into the hallway and telling him how it should be. But the more we are on the move, the more we are worshiping on the move, being willing to be blown by the Spirit in all kinds of ways and places and seasons. I think it helps us say you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And why? Because when we are on the move we place ourselves in situations in times and seasons where if God doesn't show up it's going to all fall apart. But we end up taking God into the hallway and telling him how it should be when we're relying on our own intellect our own strength our own gifting so church like let's be on the move together and not be on the move so that god would love us more but let's be on the move together so that our feet are planted on the ground that god has provided for us like you're peter and on this rock i'm going to build my church like on the confession that I'm the Christ, so you're not going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're not going to provide. I'm going to provide. And I don't know how this hits you today, but I deeply long for that and desire that in the life of our church, that we would be those kinds of people together. That, like, without him, this whole thing's going to fall apart. And of course, we're going to bounce back and forth between those seasons in our life. And the people in your life are also going to bounce back and forth between those seasons. So what's your posture towards them when they have a moment when things don't go super great? This is both a warning and an instruction for us. And I'm grateful for the life of Peter. I'm grateful that this isn't the end of Peter's story. There's a lot of life that is yet to unfold and he's gonna stand in a moment where he speaks into a whole crowd of people, follow Jesus, love him, serve him. He can say that with authority because he's also been in that kind of a place. He's been in a place where his face has hit the wall and that place has been instructive and it's empowered him to be a worshiper on the move. We you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you today.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it, every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.